Hey everybody, it's me Amanda with Once in a Wild and welcome back to another Once in a Wild Wednesday. I hope your week was really, really, really awesome. It's time to meet some awesome animals today and we brought three species to join the show today. So without further ado, let's go ahead and just get started. So hello everybody, my name is Amanda and this is Once in a Wild. Once in a Wild is a mobile zoo based right here in San Antonio, Texas. But we also can outreach all over the world as long as you have internet as well. Um, just like this, we can bring the zoo to you virtually as well as in person if you happen to be in the San Antonio, Texas area. But we have been able to outreach via Zoom and StreamYard and Facebook and YouTube um, to people all over the world, which is pretty awesome. Also, don't forget to check out our social media and do us a favor and follow us on any of the social media platforms you prefer. We have TikTok, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have YouTube, of course. And if you're not subscribed to our YouTube, which is once in a wild, you should subscribe because that helps us out quite a bit. And of course, like and share the videos if you can and leave a comment down below that helps us quite a bit to reach more people. We're very excited to be here as always. And if you like the show and you like what we do and you love our animals and wanna support us, there are many ways to do so. The best way is to, of course, just book your own animal encounter. If you happen to be in the San Antonio, Texas area or surrounding cities, of course, um, you can book your own in-person animal encounter where you can meet any of our mammals, birds, invertebrates. Um, what else do we have? <laughs> um, amphibians and reptiles in person. Um, or you can book your own virtual encounter as well. Those have been very, very popular this year, haven't they? <laughs> because everybody's going virtual nowadays. But we are opening up more, which is very, very exciting. And we are doing lots of in-person animal encounters again for um, classrooms, for birthday parties, for all sorts of events. And uh, that's been a lot of fun. We've been staying really, really busy and we're very, very grateful for how busy we've been these last few weeks. I am extremely exhausted, but I am not complaining. <laughs> so I will try to get some good rest sooner or later. And I definitely need a vacation at some point, right? So thank you so much for chiming in. Oh, also, if you do want to donate to our zoo, you can do so. Um, this live stream that we broadcast each and every Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Time, um, of course, wherever you are, it might be a different time, but each and every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Central, we broadcast a free live stream. And if you want to support us and you don't want to book your own animal encounter right now, that's okay. You can also donate um, any amount of your choosing to Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal. All of those links are down below, as always. And you can also donate from our Amazon wish list, which is found at Once in a Wild com and that is also linked down below in the description so now that i've said all the things <laughs> that's out of the way and we're really happy to see you guys joining in let's see who's saying hello i have ash here hi ash i have jeffrey hello hello jeffrey congratulations you have had something very exciting happen recently haven't you congratulations on that um it's you from the zoom hello matthew i'm so very happy that you're here yes i am here and uh, feel free to ask any questions that you may have about the animals that we're meeting today. Or if you have anything you want to tell me, go ahead and tell me. We always keep it family friendly. So please be respectful out there. I know you will be. And uh, it's so good to see all of you guys joining. And you're very welcome. You're very, very welcome. Congratulations. Um, so today, 
But also I want to tell you guys before we get started, I feel like I always forget something, but I think I've actually covered it all. Um, we don't have too many um, big public events coming out soon, but please stay tuned to all of our social media and to onceinawilds.com. You can actually see our events down there and, and over there. And um, I will let you guys know if there's anything else going on. Last week we met our opossum babies, which are doing very well. They actually just had their first checkup um, yesterday. Yes, yesterday. And they did very, very well. Nothing wrong with them whatsoever. They're doing excellent. And uh, triplets say hi from New Orleans. Hello, triplets. Yes, indeed. Um, and um, yeah, everything's been going well this week. Very, very busy. Like I said, we took to, we took the opossums to the vet. Nothing wrong with them. It's just always a good idea to get new animals checked out by your veterinarian, especially mammals and things like that. Um, and especially baby animals too sometimes. Uh, but everything went well. Um, the vet had a good uh, report on them. So we are just uh, gonna be taking good care of them and watching them grow. And I will update you guys on their growth and their progress. They're doing very, very well. So that was last week. We just had the one animal species and two of them, right? We had um, our, our new opossum. Awesomes. Uh, what are their names? <laughs> I went blank. Oh, uh, Alice and Cooper are two little opossum friends. <laughs> and today I brought some uh, some animals that we have had on the show before, but they haven't been on in a while. So I figured I would mix it up again and bring three animal species like I usually do. Sometimes we just meet one animal species, but usually we meet three. And uh, let's go ahead and start meeting the animals, shall we? It should be a lot of fun. So our first animal is going to be one that everybody thinks is super cute. So I'm sure you're going to love her. Um, and she's been on the show before. Now, please forgive. She is a nocturnal species. So a lot of times they are a little bit shy under all these studio lights. There's many lights in here. It's quite a bright room. And I do talk kind of medium to loud volume wise. Um, so she may be a little bit grumpy with us, but let's see how she feels. It is the evening now at 6.30 p.m. Central. Well, now it's 6.37 to be precise. And uh, this is a little bit later than it was earlier when she was in another show earlier today. But let's go ahead and bring her out. Yeah, she feels. She just caught her, um, her spa day today. Once a week, we give these guys a bath, a nail trim if they need it. And today they got their whole habitat cleaned as well. So she should be sparkling and ready to meet all her fans. So here she is. This is Shirley the African hedgehog. So Shirley is an animal you would see in the wild in Africa. They're not from any other continent in the whole world, but there are other hedgehog species in other continents like Asia, as well as Europe. The European hedgehog is the largest species of hedgehog in the world. They're about four times the size of this type of hedgehog, the African hedgehog. The African hedgehog is by far the smallest, and they're sometimes even called the pygmy hedgehog as well because they're so very small. This is as big as they get usually. They might get a teeny bit bigger than this depending on the individual, but they're all about this size. They're extra small. And hedgehogs have spines all over their back, right? And they even have stretchy skin, which can stretch all over them and protect them with all their spines and that stretchy skin stretching all over the place. So she doesn't have to worry about enemies. So when you live in Africa, there are so many of the predators that might go after you. <laughs> African wild dogs, uh, hyenas, lions, uh, leopards, all sorts of animals, cheetahs. Uh, there's potential predators everywhere, and birds of prey, crocodiles. <laughs> um, but this animal doesn't really have to worry about a ton of predators because they have all these beautiful spines all over them, which are very sharp. And if you bite into this animal, I'm not going to do that, but if you did want to bite into this animal, your mouth would become hurt. So that is a great defense mechanism for this animal. Now she cannot shoot her quills, 
or spines, I should say. Um, in, in this species, they're called spines because they're very short. Quills are longer, and those, those quills are usually found in like porcupines and things like that. Um, but they cannot shoot their spines, which is awfully crazy today. Um, and neither can a porcupine shoot its quills either. So that is a myth that only happens in the cartoons. But what can happen is she could shed her hair, and her spines are part of her hair coat and she would shed them just like you lose your hair when you brush your hair and things, but they grow right back, which is a good thing because they need all these spines for protection. Otherwise she would be quite vulnerable to predators, right? Uh, Ash says, I love those babies. Yes, the opossums are super cute. Um, their names are Alice and Cooper. <laughs> yes, we have so many animals. Sometimes when I have to think uh, at the top of my head, I forget, <laughs> but don't judge. She is so cute. Thank you very much for saying that. Are the quills like porcupine quills? So I think I just kind of talked about this a little bit. Um, so they're not nearly as severe as a porcupine's quills, but they are short versions of a porcupine's quill. They are not barbed. They're just very sharp on the end. And she is very sensitive to touch, as you can see. When I touch her on the back, she's like, oh my gosh, what's touching me? Um, but they are not as severe as a porcupine. Some porcupines do have barbs on their quills and some porcupines have just have very sharp and strong quills. Um, the pork, the sorry, the hedgehog's spines aren't nearly as sharp as that, but they are sharp enough to where if you would press them against your face, if you were a predator trying to eat them, um, that would deter you from wanting to eat anymore. <laughs> so that is the idea. So they're not nearly as severe as that, nor are they related to porcupines. So these guys are actually in the shrew family. Shrews are specialized small mammals with very sharp teeth. They don't have rodent-like teeth. So porcupines are related to rodents. They are rodents. And uh, a good example of a rodent's teeth are like a rat or a mouse or even a beaver. A beaver has great big bucky teeth, right? Um, and those teeth never stop growing in the front. Um, they have two on the top and two on the bottom that are their incisors in rodents that they never stop growing. So they have to chew on stuff and they have a totally different diet and etc. So these guys are not in the rodent family. They're in the shrew family. Shrews typically eat insects and other animals. And also, <laughs> and so do hedgehogs. And um, also they have very sharp teeth, which are more similar to like the opossum's teeth or maybe even your dog's teeth. If you have a dog with a very long snout, um, that is similar to the hedgehog's teeth as well. They have canine teeth and they have very sharp teeth and they are predators. They are not rodents. They're not omnivores or anything like that. They're actually carnivores and they eat bugs. So their main diet in the wild is going to be all sorts of different insects they can find, but also um, termites. Termites are going to be their main choice of insect to eat because there are lots of termites in the savannas in Africa where the hedgehog would live. And termites make their own homes Kind of like a giant anthill, but it's a termite mound is what that's called. And the termite mounds in Africa are enormous. They are as tall as a person or taller, and they're so hard and strong that elephants can use them as a back scratcher. <laughs> that's how strong those termite mounds are. And they're full of holes all, all over the place, even on the bottom or the base of the termite mound on the ground. And that sometimes is where the hedgehog will choose to live. It's inside of those holes or even underneath the termite mound or nearby underground somewhere. They prefer to live underground all day long while they sleep because they are a nocturnal animal. They'll sleep all day underneath something, <laughs> um, but usually underground. <laughs> Doing a little crazy dance for you guys. So she's just being wiggly, um, but they come out at night when they wanna hunt and when they're hungry. So when the sun goes down and it's fully dark outside, that's when they feel safe enough to come out and be active. I guess she's wanting to party right now too. Um, but they will come out and hunt bugs and they can run anywhere from two to 12 miles every single night. 
They're very active during the night. In fact, we do give her a running wheel to make sure she gets plenty of exercise. And Shirley really enjoys her running wheel. When you have a hedgehog in your life, if you happen to have one or know anybody with, the, with one, it's very important to use special types of wheels that have no holes. Some wheels have like little little spaces or holes and those are designed more for like rats and mice to climb on um hedgehogs it's really important to use a solid wheel like a plastic or something like that usually they're plastic uh, they're a lot quieter than those metal wheels as well settle down settle down you're not done yet and also um they can even get their legs stuck in those holes so it's really important to use a solid wheel so they can just run and not hurt their legs but it's really important for hedgehogs to get a lot of exercise at night because they can easily get chunky if they don't get enough running activity. So that is usually what they're gonna wanna do when um, they're awake at night is run around looking for bugs. And if they sense a predator around, they will roll up just like she's doing now. They'll roll up like this. And if a predator tries to eat them and tries to get in there, they will keep on hissing and uh, basically flexing all their spines in different directions to make sure that that animal knows that they are not an easy target to be eaten, right? They're not an easy morsel. Look at that nose. She does have an excellent sense of smell. Her sense of smell is her best out of her five senses. She does also hear pretty well as well. She has big kind of mousy looking ears. Her ears kind of look like the opossum's ears and her nose kind of looks like the opossum's nose. Both the opossums and the hedgehog, their best two senses are their sense of smell and hearing. Isn't that interesting? Their eyesight is not the best. They do have tiny little beady eyes. But if you are an animal that's out in the pitch black dark of night in Africa, um, usually eyesight isn't really gonna be a big deal. Um, if you have enough of a sense of smell and you have enough hearing and also a great sense of touch, she's got whiskers and she can feel along the ground where she's going. So with nocturnal mammals, it's either or. It's either you have really bad vision or you have excellent night vision. And of course they don't have excellent night vision. So instead they have a great sense of smell and hearing. <laughs> she's awfully cute even when she's grumpy, right? Hedgehogs are awfully cute. Um, so a lot of people do um, wish to have a hedgehog for a pet or they think they want one. I don't recommend hedgehogs for a pet. I'm always um, encouraging you guys to pick something else because hedgehogs really aren't the best for holding. They're very sharp. A lot of times they're very grumpy about being held. Every now and then you'll get a very sweet and chill hedgehog, but that's kind of rare. And it's hard to tell what you're getting um, when they're babies because they might change personality. Um, Shirley here is being a normal hedgehog. This is how hedgehogs usually behave. They are not domesticated. They are wild animals and they prefer to run around and do their thing and be left alone. Yeah, so it takes a lot of work to get them to even tolerate a little bit of handling. They are awfully cute though. I'm not denying that, but they're also nocturnal. So you'll hardly ever see them. And they make a lot of noise at night running around and digging and things and eating and crunching and all the things, partying all night, making a big mess. And um, also some people are even allergic to them by touch. So if you touch a hedgehog, you might end up with a rash on your hands. <laughs> so it's really important to do all your research on animals that you're wanting to maybe adopt into your life. I don't also recommend them just for children. I don't think they make a good children's pet at all. Um, they might make a decent pet for an older child or a family if you do all of your research. So it's really, really important. They also have special health um, concerns as well as special needs to take care of them, right? Like any kind of more exotic type animal like this. Look at that cute little face. She is so cute. Look at those teeth, you can see her teeth now. She's like, what is happening? Ugh. I think she needs a break. I'm gonna set her down just for a break and see what questions you guys have. Um, there are much better choices of pets than a hedgehog for a mammal. Um, rats make good pets. Actually, mice make pretty good pets as well. Um, what else? Guinea pigs make really good pets as well, in my opinion. There's so many other choices. Gerbils. 
as far as like small mammals go. Hedgehogs do need a lot of space as well. A lot of times um, people assume because they are so small that they can have like a small cage or enclosure, but they really should have a lot of running room in the night and a wheel in addition. So it's a lot to think about. And they are, um, they can be a lot to clean up after. They do need their weekly baths, nail trims, all that. So it's a lot of work for kind of a grumpy animal that doesn't really like you. <laughs> but they made excellent zoo animals and education animals for that purpose, right? To educate you guys on, say, if you really just really want a hedgehog, you want to make sure and do all of your research. Maybe one of these days we'll do a hedgehog care live stream. I did one on rabbits for Easter not too long ago. That one actually did very, very well. It took a long time to talk about all the things. But even rabbits that make, I think, I think rabbits make really good pets for the right family. Um, those guys require a lot of care. Rabbits are almost like having a cat. It's not like having like a cage animal. So a lot to think about, right? Was that a sneeze? They hiss. So that is her voice um, basically saying like, oh, leave me alone. I'm ready to go uh, back to my blanket and lay down. <laughs> she has her like travel enclosure right next to me where I can set her down. Um, she has a blanket in there that she was cuddling up into. So that is basically a hedgehog's voice um, for defending itself against predators. It's kind of like a little hissing noise. To me, it's not that intimidating, but I guess for um, uh, out there in the wild, it would be kind of surprising if you heard that noise, right? And if an animal was sharp to the touch and also making that weird noise, you might be like, oh, what's this animal's problem? And then leap. Hi, Donna. <laughs> but that was a good question, Jeffrey. <laughs> What's their average weight? I can't remember what their weight is. Um, she is the average size of a hedgehog, <laughs> a pygmy hedgehog in Africa, African hedgehog. But they can be a little bit bigger than that. I can't remember what their average weight is. They're not very heavy. They're very, very small. She sounds so mad. Yeah, she's a little mad. Yes. <laughs> Any time, Mike, any tips for getting rid of the worms? <laughs> TMI, Mike. No, just kidding. Our homes are covered in worms out here, inchworms. I honestly don't know. I think it's a seasonal problem that we have here in Texas. I've seen them all over the trees and things lately. I don't know if there's anything you can do. If you guys have any um, tips for that, or if it's just something you have to wait out seasonally here in Texas, I don't know. Um, maybe ask a, an entomologist <laughs> or a uh, pest control specialist. I don't think that they're harmful or anything like that. So I really do not know. Hedgehogs do one thing right, but it works for them every time. What does that mean? You'll have to specify for me. Yay, once in a wild. Hi, Nikki, nice to see you. How long does a hedgehog live? That's a good question. Hedgehogs do not live very long. They live longer than mice and rats do. Um, they can live to be around five at the most. Um, I would say that's a very pretty old elderly hedgehog, um, but four to five is pretty good. Um, she is two, so she's not really old yet. Um, I'm sure there's a record breaker out there somewhere that lived to be six. Correct me if I'm wrong, all you hedgehog experts. Um, but to my knowledge, five is about as long as they usually live. Not a very long lived animal. And that is only in human care. So in human care where they don't have to worry about parasites and they don't have to worry about finding their own food. They don't have to worry about health problems. They can go to the vet, of course, if they get sick or anything like that, um, et cetera. They don't have to worry about predators and things. So uh, in the wild, it would be far less, around two to three, I'm sure. And then in the care of humans around five. Let's see if she's in the mood to be held again. I'm sure not. <laughs> they kind of crack me up because they are so cute, but also furious. Cute but furious, right? She's so cute though. I don't blame you guys if you love her. Her little face is like, mm. we're making the same face. Mm. 
and their legs are very slender, aren't they? So their nails grow very, very quickly. That's one thing we have to do with them about once a week is trim their nails. And as you might imagine, it's a little bit difficult to trim a, the nails of a grumpy animal. So that's another like kind of skill set that you have to develop when you have a hedgehog. Otherwise, their nails grow very, very long and they can even curl all the way around and become very uncomfortable. Just like your, your dog's nails can curl around and become uncomfortable, right? But because they have such a high protein diet with all the insects and we also feed them high protein cat food, they require a high protein um, carnivorous diet, really. And um, <laughs> since they do have so much protein in their diet, their nails grow very, very fast. Yeah. Oh my goodness. She is just, I think she's ready to wave goodbye, you guys. So we are going to go ahead and say goodbye to Shirley and let her just take a break and maybe go run around in her enclosure a little bit because it is nighttime. So it's their time to be awake and active. That is a nocturnal species, right? But we are going to move on to another wonderful animal who's a lot um, easier to hold. <laughs> so that is Shirley the Hedgehog. I hope you enjoyed seeing her once again. It's been a while since we've shown our beautiful hedgehog. I do see why, why they're so popular. Um, during our Zooms, we do a lot of classroom Zooms and birthday Zooms and things. This happens to be one of the most popular requests for the animals. <laughs> People can see them like this. Aww. Okay, Shirley, say goodbye. She says goodbye. <laughs> Bye, Shirley. All right, you guys. Here's a good question. Um, how, or sorry, what part, <laughs> wrong question, what part of Africa does the African hedgehog come from? Um, they are from kind of the savannas of Africa. Uh, different areas, though, they're, they're fairly common out there and uh, kind of central but widespread in Africa. So not super hot deserts and not like the, the rainforest or anything like that in Africa. Africa has so many habitats and biomes to talk about. I love Africa. It's been one of my favorite continents. I love, love, loved when I went there. Um, but the savannas are usually where you would see African pygmy hedgehogs and they're going to be around where the termites are which are the termite mounds so those termite mounds are like really really big you'll see them in uh, the, the grasslands and savannas as well that's pretty cool savanna just means grassland or like forested regions in africa that aren't rainforests i hope that answers your question i answered how long they live <laughs> she's the embodiment of trying to say the word bubble in an angry voice yes bubble Bye, little one. Everybody loves you, even though you don't love everyone. <laughs> and that is okay. I'm going to wash my hands really quick. In between animals, it's always a good practice, right? And then we are going to check our camera just to make sure everything's in order there. Those of you that have been watching our live stream a long time, you know my camera's on a timer, so that hasn't changed. <laughs> so I do have to check our camera every now and then because I get to talking about the animals and talking to you guys. And sometimes I forget to restart our camera. So we are gonna meet another animal with a another form of protection on their back. And it's been a while since we've seen this guy, but he is very, very well known among all of our fans. Here he comes. <laughs> it is Shelton, Shelton the red-footed tortoise. Say hi to everybody, Shelton. He's a lot slower moving than our hedgehog friend. Um, he does have something in common with the hedgehog and that is protection on the dorsal or back. When we talk about an animal, this is their ventral. Ventral is the belly. Ventral with a V. V is in Victor. Ventral. And this is the dorsal side, right? A great way to remember ventral versus dorsal. Dorsal fin on a dolphin, right? A dorsal fin on a dolphin is on the back. You probably heard that before. He's not a dolphin, but he does have a dorsal, as all animals do. Our dorsal is our back. Um, humans are a little weird because we walk upright, but our dorsal is still 
are back. And he has one of the toughest backs in all the animal kingdom, doesn't he? His dorsal is covered in protection, kind of like the hedgehog. The hedgehog does have spines all over her back and stretchy skin. He doesn't have spines, but he has a shell. His name is Shelton for a reason. His full name is Shelton John. His best friend's name is Frank Sinatra, the tortoise. And they are wonderful. They are red-footed tortoises. You can see his red on his legs. He has beautiful red scales. Wave for the people, Shelton, good job. Um, he also has red on his back feet too, tickle, tickle, and red on his tail as well. Woo, 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 woo. There's his little tail. He also has red on his cheeks and head. He is so pretty. This is a species you would see in Central and South America quite commonly as well. And they can reach around 20 or so pounds when they are uh, at their biggest size. <laughs> I almost said um, full grown, but that's not really the case with a reptile. So reptiles never stop growing their whole life. Although when they get older and as they get older, their growth slows quite a bit. When they're babies, their body works very hard to grow very quickly because a baby reptile is very vulnerable to predators, including baby tortoises. So when they are babies, they grow a lot faster and eat a lot more and so they can uh, be less vulnerable to all sorts of danger out there in the jungle where they live because they do live in the jungle and tropical rainforests. So this guy would live in an environment where it rains a lot, lots of plants to eat, lots of uh, warmth, no seasons. He doesn't have to worry about any seasonal changes. Doesn't have to migrate, <laughs> which is good because they don't move very fast, do they? <laughs> uh, tortoises are close cousins to turtles. However, they're very different. Tortoises do not swim and cannot float. So therefore you would not find him in the wild swimming around in the river or the ocean or anything like that. Uh, sea turtles can swim in the ocean, right? And river turtles can swim in the river or ponds and things like that, all sorts of places that turtles can be. And there certainly are turtles in Central and South America too, but he is a tortoise. So tortoises live on land and they can't swim or float. So that wouldn't be good for him to go into the water. He would sink. Oh, no. Um, so his legs are also not designed to swim through the water with ease because he doesn't have to swim at all. He's got really strong tree trunk-like legs. His legs are known as elephantine legs, which means elephant-like. See his elephant-like back legs, especially? Especially the gray part reminds me of a little elephant's leg. Of course, if he were an elephant, it'd be a lot bigger, but imagine like a miniature elephant. <laughs> and that is for the purpose of lifting up a heavy body, just like with an elephant. That makes a lot of sense. It's like a big tree trunk for their heavy weight to be able to walk around. Otherwise he wouldn't be able to walk very easily. He may not be the biggest tortoise ever, but he will get you around 20 or so pounds when he is at his largest. So he does need some pretty strong legs to lift up his dense, heavy shell. Um, so that's another big difference between a turtle and a tortoise. Not only do they not swim as a tortoise, and turtles can, um, not only are they heavy, <laughs> they also have more of a rounded shell and a more dense body than a turtle. A turtle, if you see them, they're actually quite flat like this. So if there were a turtle this size, they'll be pretty flat. They can glide through the water with ease, swim very quickly. Turtles are really cool. Um, sea turtles are very large, but they have um, basically flat shells and they're very, very buoyant and able to float. And they're not as heavy as they would be if they were a tortoise of that size, right? But turtles can get pretty big too. Um, alligator snapping turtles are pretty big too, and they can swim as well. So that's another big difference. So he does not have webbed feet. He does not have flippers, nothing like that. Because again, he's not an aquatic or water dwelling animal. He's a land animal and he lumbers around on land very slowly. Sorry, buddy, you're not fast. <laughs> uh, newsflash, uh, but they are not flat, fast 
<laughs> I can't talk today, uh, but they do not need to be fast because they don't have to catch any animals to eat and they really don't have a whole lot of predators once they reach a certain size. So when they're smaller, of course, a lot of animals might eat them. And even at this size, um, animals may try to eat them, but it's a lot harder, literally harder, to eat a tortoise this big than it is to eat a baby tortoise this big. Um, so they don't really have much of a hurry to be in and they only plant. So plants aren't gonna like move very fast to get away, right? Well, that makes a lot of sense. That's why they have an herbivore's diet. Herbivores only eat plants, right? And carnivores only eat meat. And omnivores eat a little bit of both. Humans are omnivores. The hedgehog is technically a carnivore and she's an insectivore eating bugs in the wild. Um, in human care, sometimes um, hedgehogs do eat fruits and vegetables. I really don't feed them fruits and vegetables because in the wild, they don't really eat that stuff. Um, they're going to eat pretty much insects and other little animals like lizards and small rodents and things. Let's see what questions you guys have. I can definitely hold him while you guys uh, ask your questions. <laughs> Shelton, yes, he's wonderful. He certainly isn't a shy tortoise. No, he is not. He's very sweet. Um, the red-footed tortoises are my favorite as far as their personality. They're very bold. They're not in a hurry to get anywhere. They're super sweet. They don't bite. They don't dig very much. They're not destructive. They're beautiful. I like everything about them. They don't get too very large. I love the Galapagos tortoises though. Galapagos and Aldabra tortoises are probably my favorite favorites. Sorry, Shelton. But my next favorite are going to be these guys, the red-footed tortoises. And red-footed tortoises are a lot easier to manage than a great big Galapagos tortoise any day because those guys need a ton of room. However, I would love to have some Galapagos or Aldabra tortoises someday. Galapagos tortoises are not really easy to come by. Um, they take a lot of special licensing, but Aldabra tortoises, um, you can actually have them in a zoo setting like us. So maybe someday you'll see some great big tortoises um, here at Once in a Wild as well. It'd be hard to bring on the live stream, but they would be cool to have in our animal collection. Don't you think? Shelton, uh, he says yes. Let's see. But no, he's not shy at all. He's very sweet and used to people. Can they wade small distances? Not really. So this species especially, um, they're not known to go into the water at all. They would sink. Um, I have heard like rumors that some big, bigger tortoises can kind of float along in the ocean. I really do not think that is true. <laughs> I think it is a myth. Maybe they were on some debris or something like that and were able to survive. I really don't think that that's true. So that is something I need to research, but I don't think that they can float very well at all. I think that that would be a pretty much a death sentence for a tortoise. They can't hold their breath forever. So if they sunk down to the bottom of whatever body of water, they wouldn't be able to get up for a breath unless they walked back out, I guess. <laughs> Potentially, if they sunk down to the bottom and they could walk back out, maybe he would be okay. Um, but I really don't think that's a good idea. We're not going to try it, that's for sure. But I mean, I could do some more research for you and see. I do not think they can wait at all. Do I have to trim his nails? That's a good question. So when these guys are properly fed with a plant-based diet, um, their nails really don't overgrow. So we have another tortoise, his name is Frank. When we first adopted Frank, he, um, un unfortunately the, the previous person that was taking care of him wasn't um, completely educated on what to feed him and no offense at all. Sometimes you just don't know, right? Um, so she was feeding him, oh, blooper reel. We're going to let Shelton take a potty break <laughs> while I talk about this uh, 
question. <laughs> Shelton, how embarrassing. <laughs> so tortoises, since they have a plant-based diet, right, they tend to use the potty a lot. And he got his salad earlier today. Since it's warm out, again, we're feeding him a lot. <laughs> so he had to go to the restroom just now. So excuse me um, and him. <laughs> Wasn't me, it was him. But um, since he, since Frank was getting a little bit too much animal protein, like worms and dog food and things, but you shouldn't feed them. Um, his nails were growing way too long. So when I first got Frank, we took care of that. We, we trimmed his nails and I was able to file his nails a little bit shorter. Um, his diet has changed completely. And his nails have not have not overgrown since then. We also keep them outdoors most of the time. So they're able to walk around a lot and dig a little bit if they want to. They don't dig too much. But that helps their nails to stay at the right length as well. And um, also Frank had an overgrown beak as well. So uh, tortoises are like birds. They have a beak instead of teeth. And Frank actually had a little bit too far, too, too overgrown of a beak. Maybe I'll do a tortoise um, care video sometime. I don't necessarily recommend tortoises for everybody to have as a pet. So I try to, it's a little bit tricky <laughs> to do those care videos because I don't necessarily want to encourage everybody to go out and get a tortoise. Um, they're wonderful animals, don't get me wrong, but they are a little bit high maintenance. You saw he had to use the potty right on me. <laughs> so that's something to worry about. They do go to the bathroom a lot. So it's something, something to clean up a lot. And also they live a lot long time and they have very very special care needs that not everybody can provide so but I would love to educate you guys on how we take care of them if you would like to see that but Frank the tortoise he had to have his nails trimmed and he had to have his beak trimmed so you see that Shelton's beak is nice and short right so Frank's beak was actually kind of over overgrown like this and almost looked like a little like a, almost like a, an eagle or something, like an eagle's beak. Um, and it shouldn't be like that. But again, I'm not trying to get after the person that gave us Frank because I know she had every good intention to take good care of him. And she was happy to learn all the things that I was telling her. And she decided to go ahead and turn him over to us, um, which is fantastic. And we love Frank. So we're very happy with that. We're still friends to this day. Um, so I'm sure she's not upset at me. But I do want to educate you guys on what not to do and what to do with your tortoises. So if they get the wrong diet, they can grow too quickly. They can overgrow their beak and nails. But if they get the proper diet, they really don't need a whole lot of nail trimming. As you can see, he does have nails. But honestly, they don't grow that fast. Definitely not like the hedgehog. <laughs> um, but if they did, we would just file them. I usually have like a little Dremel and we'll file them quickly. And it doesn't hurt them at all or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just one of those things. A lot of times people will adopt animals and be told maybe not quite the right thing to do with them care wise. And that's okay. That's why we're here, right? That's why we're educating you guys. So if you're ever curious about pet care, feel free to reach out. That's what I'm here for. I've been caring for pets for a long time professionally. So um, that is something that's very, very important to me and one of my passions. I think that animals kept in human homes are just as important as any other animal. So we want to make sure and take good care of them and have them have the best life that they can, right? What do red-footed tortoises eat? Excellent question. They are herbivores. So in the wild, they eat all sorts of things in the jungle, right? So luckily where they live, there's no seasons and plants really don't die out. So they can eat every day if they want to. They can eat things like grass, leaves, fruits, 
flowers are probably one of their favorites. And here with us, he gets a, a full plate of salad. <laughs> Him and Frank share the salad. It's really cute. Um, and they will get all sorts of greens. It's really important for them to get um, natural grasses and natural plants and weeds from the yard. Um, we don't use pesticides on our yard, so we can feed those things. Uh, dandelion greens and grasses are really good for um, their digestion and fiber purposes. As you can see, he doesn't have any, tr any trouble using the restroom. <laughs> the demo right here on the live stream. Um, but he also gets um, collard greens, mustard greens, a little bit of kale sometimes on occasion, um, other types of salad greens as well. But it has to be greens that have some sort of nutrients in it. We don't feed them like iceberg lettuce or anything like that that has no nutrients in it. Um, he would probably eat it though. It's just water really. Um, and he also gets vegetables like sweet potato and um, what else? yellow squash, all sorts of things, broccoli sometimes. And he'll get a little bit of fruit like banana and maybe some grapes every now and then. But for fruit, we keep it pretty minimal because that is full of sugar. But this species being tropical, they can handle a lot more fruits than other species of tortoise that are more desert type tortoises um, or savanna type tortoises. One really popular pet tortoise is the sulcata or African spur thigh tortoise. Say that five times fast. Um, those guys are a different species than this and they're not tropical, they're more savanna. So lots of grass for them is really good and drier plants. And then of course they have water to drink. Um, these guys can handle more uh, more of your fruits and flowers and wetter plants like that. And then we feed them some other, other, other different things as well, but it's a plant-based diet. Good question. How does he regulate his temperature? Excellent question. So being a reptile, he does not have his own body temperature, right? Um, so reptiles of all sorts, which are your turtles and tortoises, your crocodilians, snakes, and lizards. Those are your four categories of reptiles. Uh, snakes are my favorite reptiles. Sorry, Shelton, snakes are the best. They don't poop all over me, <laughs> usually. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but he is awfully cute. But uh, they do have to regulate their body temperature. When they feel cooler, they will go into the sun and get a little bit of a sunbathe. And then when they feel too hot, they'll go back into the shade or he might take a little dip into the mud or in a shallow puddle or something like that to get a little bit of wetness. Um, and he would get a drink of water as well. Being a tropical species, they do better in a higher humidity. That's one challenge with keeping a red-footed tortoise or any tropical species. Another one is a yellow-foot tortoise, which is really similar to him. Um, these guys need a lot of humidity. So we have to soak them in shallow water, of course, um, a few times a week to make sure they're staying nice and hydrated. I also give them their weekly bath with a little bit of olive oil on their shell to keep them nice and hydrated as well. Instead of putting lotion on the skin, right? <laughs> we put um, olive oil on them, which is totally uh, benign to them and also keeps them nice and moisturized all week long. And we also make sure they have plenty of water to drink at all times. And we even give, give them little mists and showers throughout the day if it's too hot outside. They do live outside most of the time, as long as it's 60 degrees and up. But there's also some shade out there always provided to them with a little hide or shade from the trees or in a shady area so they can get some shade. Because it is awfully hot here in Texas where I live. It can get over 110 degrees sometimes in the summer. And if it does get that hot, then we will probably bring them inside because that's a little bit too hot for the species. Some desert species really like the heat though. So it just depends. But that is how reptiles regulate their temperature. They will basically have to, um, if they feel too cold, they go in the sun. If they feel too hot, they go in the shade <laughs> and they get plenty of, drink, plenty of drinks to make sure that they are staying hydrated throughout all of that, right? But it's kind of like on manual mode instead of automatic like us. So for us, our bodies tend to do a lot of work for us without us even knowing it. Um, so when we feel too hot, we sweat from our pores to cool us off. When we feel too cold, we shiver and we might put on a jacket or something like that. He doesn't really have to do that, does he? 
He can come eat dandelions in your yard. That is so sweet. They really do like dandelions. Hello, Lamar. Nice to see you. Uh, dandelion greens and flowers are one of their favorites as well. What's the brown spot on his belly? Let's see what you're talking about. Ooh, it's just the coloration of his belly there. Let's see. So again, this is his dorsal. And the dorsal shell of a tortoise is called the, the, the carapace. Carapace with a C. And the belly shell or ventral shell is called the plastron. plastron. So on a male tortoise, he's a pretty young male, but he's got kind of a sunken in belly starting to form. On Frank, it's really obvious his belly is really sunken in. That means that he's a boy. Um, a female tortoise would have a straight belly or almost like a little plump belly sometimes, depending on the species. But his is starting to sink in, so we're pretty sure he's a boy. If not, sorry about that, Shelton. <laughs> but uh, we think he's a boy. But as far that's just the coloration that it is. And um, he's got this beautiful yellow coloration around the brown. But it's just the color. Can you see that? So if that's what you're asking, that's all it is. Um, and he's got really pretty colors on the back. The spots of yellow and his spots of red, of course, on his legs and head and everything. So I've had a lot of questions lately on why they have the red spots or why they have the yellow spots and why, why, why. We get a lot of why questions, especially from little children in our Zooms and things um, and from older children as well sometimes. Um, why is really hard to answer. <laughs> so we we kind of think, I did a little bit of research because I keep getting this question, and we kind of think it's to blend into the tropical colors. So if you think about it, a lot of um, plants and flowers in the rainforest are bright colors, right? But we think that their coloration is to kind of um, camouflage into the bright colors of the forest. Bright flowers, bright leaves of the plants. Look up um, tropical plants and you'll see all sorts of beautiful colors. If you guys have ever visited, um, well, down in Florida, you guys know what tropical plants look like. But if you've ever visited Central America, like Cancun or anything like that, all the plants there are very, very colorful. So that makes a lot of sense to me that he would live in a colorful environment being bright colored. Oh, good. I think my internet just blipped for a hot second. Sorry about that but we're back. So let me know if you have any other questions about Shelton. We're going to go ahead and let him rest. I think he did a fantastic job. As usual, he's very easy to also hold up and talk about. He is also very popular. So Shelton can actually meet you guys in person. He's a very good tortoise to meet in person because he's very gentle and sweet. Um, he can even participate in animal therapy. He got to go to an animal therapy session not too long ago with some wonderful children that I met last week, and they really enjoyed um touching Shelton. Did you know they can actually feel you touching their shells and everything? And they also got to feed Shelton a little bit as well, which was pretty cool. So let me know if you'd like to meet him as well, either virtually or in person, if you happen to be in the San Antonio, Texas area, we would love to meet you as well. Okay. That was our second animal, of course. And um, we are going to be meeting three animals. So let me just wash my hands. <laughs> Shelton was a bit of a mess today. So, but I forgive him because he is really, really awesome. I'm just going to move him out of the way really fast. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to first take a drink. Hmm. Have a little bit of a drink to clear my throat a little bit. And it's been a long week and I've been doing a lot of talking and presenting. He did do great. I agree. I agree. I agree. And that is very interesting. I'm glad you think so. I'm glad you think so. So I'm going to actually just step away for two seconds and hopefully bring back our next animal, which is a bird. So we are going to meet one of our birds that hasn't been on the show in a little bit. Um, but this is Sunflower. We call him Sunny for short. 
Sunny is doing very well. Sunny and Dandy, Dandelion <laughs> is her name. We think that Sunny is actually a male. He's been a lot more vocal than the other one that we have, Dandelion. Um, so we're calling him a he. We don't know 100% yet because it's a little hard to tell at this in-between age. So um, he is like kind of a juvenile at this age right now. So cute though. He's looking for all the snacks. Um, he is just now learning what millet seed is, which is a great treat for this species, the cockatiel. So we have several cockatiels here at once in a while. You guys know Evie, Pikachu, uh, Sunny here, and Dandy as well, Dandelion. Um, so Sunny is actually a Lutino cockatiel, which is a special coloration of yellow with orange cheeks and dark eyes, right? Kind of darkish burgundy eyes. So they are actually a type of special coloration that you would only see in human care. So cockatiels have been in human care for a long, long time. They originate in Australia. And in Australia, their wild coloration is a gray with white on their shoulders, and they have orange cheeks and a yellow face. But this color, the Lutino, is all yellow with orange cheeks. They are awfully cute. Um, but the Lutino cockatiel are actually a type of albino cockatiel. Can I hold the treat up here? You eat it? There we go. Um, and they have reddish burgundy eyes. But they're very dark eyes. They almost look black under the camera and everything under the light. But they're slightly more red than um, the wild type of cockatiel eyes. <laughs> so he is just now learning that this type of treat is really delicious. When you train animals, especially birds, you really need to find a snack that they really like in order to motivate them to do all sorts of things that you want them to do, like stay with you or fly from here to there, etc. So we are now um, all the way weaned when it comes to being these birds. <laughs> uh, Sunny and Dandy are weaned from their bird formula now because they were eating bird formula last time they were on the show. And bird formula is a substitute for mom and dad feeding them when they're younger. They are now eating all solid food. They're now living in the same bird room with Evie and all the rest of the birds too, R2D2 and all the doves. And they're getting along with everybody really, really well. But we uh, just now introduced them to special treats and they're very, very much enjoying the treats. So these guys are types of parrots, by the way. They do have very, very strong beaks. Can you see the beak? The beak is curved downward and especially designed for eating hard food like seeds. Other parrots eat very, very large nuts as well, and they can easily eat them. There you go. They can easily eat them with that strong beak that they have. They have a curved beak. Um, parrots also have zygodactyl feet. Can you step up? Step up. Good job. They have zygodactyl feet. You gonna eat the treat? <laughs> like, give me that snack. Um, their toes are two toes in the front and two toes in the back. A lot of birds, other than parrots and other, other types that have these type of feet, they have three toes in the front and one in the back. So most birds do have four toes. There's some exceptions out there in the bird kingdom, uh, but most birds with four toes that perch on a perch like this, like he's perching on my finger, right? They have three in the front and one in the back, but you can see there's two in the front and there's two in the back as well. That is a feature of all parrots as well. They're called zygodactyl feet. That sounds like a pterodactyl to me. It's one of my favorite words, zygodactyl. That gives them a stronger grip on their perches when they perch. So they won't like blow away in a strong gust. <laughs> and also that gives them the ability to climb. These guys are known for climbing up things with their beak and their feet together. And some parrots can even use their feet for like a little hand, not just to climb, but also to hold a piece of food and bring it up to their face and eat it kind of like we use our, our hands to eat like this. A lot of parrots will do that. Cockatiels don't tend to do that too much, and I don't know why. 
but a lot of other parrots like macaws and African greys and, and uh, Amazon parrots, those guys will definitely use their little feet hands to eat. He is so very cute. I love their orange cheeks, don't you? Let's see what questions you guys have already. So cute, yes. That is one of the baby ones, yes. So um, Sunny is one of our babies and almost all grown up now. He's like a little teenager now. So he might look like an adult, but they're not really adults until about a year to two years old. And he's not quite a year yet. I forget when their birthday is. I'm being put on the spot right now. Uh, but he, I think they're around six months now, six months old. So not nearly a year at all. So I think they're around five or six months now. Uh, let's see, so cute, thank you. How do we explain the colorful designs in tropical birds? Such a such as the one you have and others. So this bird isn't technically a tropical bird. In the wild, they're gray. So they're not very bright colored in the wild. Um, they're kind of a gray color. This type of bird would live in forests and grasslands and things. We can have another snack. They're awfully light yellow. So I believe they're around five and a half months now. Anyway, um, bright colors of parrots. So parrots um, oftentimes will live in the tropics, like you just said, right? Um, they will live among bright color leaves, flowers, fruits, and things like that. So that might be the reason that they are bright colored. It's also for communication and attracting mates and things like that. Um, parrots oftentimes are not, um, uh, they're not uh, dimorphic. They're not dimorphic, so you can't tell the difference between male and female very easily. However, their plumage can definitely um, take part in them selecting a mate. So if they look healthy and things like that, that might be a great factor in them um, choosing a boyfriend or girlfriend, right? And most parrots are also monogamous birds. That means that they will select a mate and stay together for the rest of their life, like a little marriage between them. And when they have their young, they will also um, raise their young together. They'll co-parent co-parent their, their bird babies. Um, they will sit on the, the eggs, like taking turns. <laughs> Both mom and dad will do that. And they will also uh, feed the young too as well. But um, not every parrot species lives in the tropics, right? So this um, parrot species doesn't live in the tropics. And this is not the natural color that they would be found in anyway. So they're very, very gray, gray and white with a kind of a brighter face. But uh, as far as their bodies go, they're not a bright colored animal at all. Yeah, so they're just gonna vary depending on the type of parrot you're talking about. Let me see. Was he born in the rescue? I don't know what you mean by the rescue, um, but this bird is actually not a rescue. So most of our animals that once in a wild are some sort of um, either hand-me-down animal rescue or animal that needed a home in some capacity. Um, we actually decided to raise our cockatiels from little babies. Um, I was able to obtain them very, very young from a private breeder and I was able to um, hand feed them and everything. And the reason that we chose to do that with some of our birds, some of our birds are rescues and some of them are not. Like R2D2, the budgie was actually a lost bird that somebody found and she's excellent and kind of a very special bird in that manner. Um, she's very tame, which is rare for a rescue bird um, to be that tame right away. However, um, this bird was not a rescue. So sometimes we choose to raise our animals up from babies. That way they become very used to animal programs and new people and things. So sometimes we, we do rescue animals though. And a lot of our reptiles, for example, are rescues. And I'm trying to think of others. The opossums, of course, are rescues from from from. Texas from the wild. So it really just depends. Every single um, animal in our zoo has its own story, right? He's awfully cute. He's very distracting. So these guys are related to cockatoos. They have a crest of feathers on top of their head. Right now he's resting his crest down, but sometimes they can raise their crest up 
and lower it and everything in between. And that's gonna give them communication. It's kind of like eyebrows for expression, right? And that can help communicate with other birds and let them know, let us know how they're feeling rather. <laughs> Zygodactyl, not Zygodacto. <laughs> Zydeco, Zydeco is a Louisiana musical genre. That's cool. But the word is Zygodactyl. Zygodactyl, yes, it's like pterodactyl. <laughs> Pretty cool though. Here's a good um, question. Can they be trained to ride a bicycle like the parrots do at Jungle Island in Miami? So here once in a while, we don't really have um, the need to train them to uh, ride bicycles, fly through hoops, things like that. I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that per se, as long as the animals are being trained in a positive way and they're not being forced to do anything. But here at Once in a Wild, we prefer to show natural behaviors like flying from, from here to there. So flight is a good natural behavior. Sitting with us and just being beautiful is a good natural behavior, things like that. But not to say that they couldn't be trained to do all sorts of things. We might indeed um, start training our birds to do more behaviors on camera and in front of people as well. Nothing wrong with that. But we're just not going to choose to, to have them do human-like behaviors like riding a bicycle, etc. That's a little bit too circus-like for our taste. Again, I'm not knocking that place at all. I'm sure it's pretty neat to see those animals doing that. And it's a great um, example of how smart these birds are. Well, I promise they're smart. He just kind of fell down. But he's a baby, right? So we forgive, we forgive baby behavior. Um, but they are very smart and they can learn a lot of behaviors. Bye. <laughs> Your tail is blocking the camera. Oh, there we go. He wants to show off how he can fly. So our birds are free flighted as well. We're indoors, which is a lot safer for free flight, but we do not clip our birds' wings. We believe in leaving them flighted if we can. Some rescue birds out there, I'm sure, cannot fly for other reasons. We know that. Um, but if your birds can fly, it's always better for them to be able to fly. It's great exercise and natural for them. <laughs> I'm just reading through your comments. Sorry for the delay. Hello, Abigail, nice to see you again. Uh, we've already met a hedgehog and a tortoise before Sunny the cockatiel here. So make sure and rewatch the video if you didn't get to see the first part of it. Um, here's a good question. I know they can't speak in words, but does he communicate in different tones? So Evie, our, our other male cockatiel, we think Sunny's a male too. That's our best guess for this particular bird, time will tell. Males and females of cockatiels act totally different in my opinion. So I think it's very easy to tell by behavior and he's starting to act more and more male-ish to me. Uh, it's hard to explain unless you're, you've been around them a lot. But anyway, males are more vocal, they're more bold, etc. Evie the cockatiel can talk a little bit. He does say certain words. Sometimes it takes some getting used to to understand what he's saying. Um, it's kind of like when you have a little child that's learning how to talk. Um, mom and dad might understand them a lot better than strangers, right? So when you get to know Evie, you can definitely understand his voice. At least I can. He says hi. He says perch. He says step up. He says come here. He says all sorts of things. Um, but Evie can also mimic all sorts of noises. Evie's favorite noise, I think, well, besides whistling, it's going to be a spray bottle. He does a ch -ch 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 sound that sounds just like a spray bottle. I know Evie does that all the time, right, Sunny? Um, and that's because we do a lot of cleaning around here and he's eventually picked up that spray bottle sound of spraying water, spraying all sorts of things to, to clean up around here. Cause we make lots of messes around here, our animals do. So we have to clean it up. 
So he does all sorts of noises and they certainly do communicate with their voices. Um, these type of birds, as well as many type of birds and all parrots are very vocal. So since he's a parrot, parrots are extremely talkative, extremely loud. Um, this is one of the quietest species of parrot in the world, but most parrots are so very loud. That's one um, thing that you have to think about when adopting a bird of any kind. All birds make noises. Some birds are much quieter than others. Cockatiels are pretty quiet. Um, our doves are pretty quiet, but they all make noises anyway, even though they're quiet noises. And they do communicate with all sorts of different whistles and screeches and all sorts of noises. And even ones that we don't understand at all. And who knows what they can hear that we can't hear. So it's pretty amazing, right? But they do communicate in all sorts of different sounds. So yes, you are right. Sassy pants. Yes, most birds are pretty sassy. Uh, birds are very self-serving. <laughs> that means that they're they're kind of, they wanna see uh, what's in it for them. If there's not enough treats for them to eat and snack on, or if you're not giving them something that they want, like company or enough attention, they'll leave. <laughs> they have no other reason to hang out. Now, um, our cockatiels seem to really enjoy our company because again, we raise them from little babies and they're very used to us. They kind of see us like parent birds or at least friend birds, right? So they seem to really enjoy human company, which is what we were going for. We didn't want them to be scared of people. And that's the reason that we did that. Who's to say that we won't rescue a cockatiel in the future? I would love to do that in the future, though. But uh, birds are very, uh, I don't want to call it selfish. They're just self-serving. That's the way they've survived in the wild. This animal isn't a very large bird. It's the biggest they get. They're very small. So looking out for themselves is just their, their instinct, right? pretty awesome. He is sassy though. Birds are pretty sassy. Birds have a lot of personality. They're extremely smart for the most part, especially parrots and other birds like that. Not every bird is that smart. <laughs> I've worked with lots of silly birds that aren't the smartest, but I still love them anyway. Um, however, parrots tend to be extremely intelligent. So they need a lot of activity. They need a lot of stimulation. Training is very important for them to remain um, happy and healthy and tame and the proper diet lots and lots of love and patience, lots of patience because of the noise and the mess that they can create. Do you guys know why parrots go to the restroom all the time? Most birds that fly use the restroom constantly about every five minutes or so um, because they need to stay nice and lightweight. If you stay lightweight, that's easier to fly especially for a prey type species like these guys. These guys are not carnivores, they're herbivores. So they are prey to other animals in the wild. So flying away and getting away is gonna be their main way to stay safe. So instinctively, they need to stay nice and lightweight to be able to get away. They eat too much, they just use the restroom, <laughs> right? And that helps to lighten them up. Birds are light for many reasons though. They have semi-hollow bones called pneumatic bones. They're not totally hollow, but they're semi-hollow. They're full of holes. Uh, they kind of look like a, like a honeycomb on the inside. If you cross section a bird's bones, they look like a sponge or a honeycomb on the inside. So they're semi-hollow, meaning that they're nice and lightweight for them. And also they have less internal organs than most other animals. And like, for example, they don't really have a bladder. They just go to the restroom all the time and that helps to keep them nice and light. They also do not have teeth, just like our tortoise friend, but our tortoise friend was very heavy. He is very lightweight with a lightweight beak, but their head is probably the heaviest thing on their body. Very strong head with a strong beak. And the rest of their body is very lightweight. Also feathers help them fly and gain lift to fly. Their wings can flap and let them fly like you saw earlier. And also the tail can, you know, gain a little bit of lift as well and help them to glide through the air and everything. So amazing. That's my favorite thing about birds is how they fly. Um, however, feathers are also much lighter than hair. If you have a pile of hair and a pile of feathers the same size, the pile of feathers will be far lighter. Let me see. Your cockatiel likes to play with jewelry. 
And look in the mirror. Yes, most cockatiels love a mirror, especially the boys. The girl cockatiels don't seem to like the mirror as much as the boys. That's another male behavior that Evie certainly does all the time. I'm waiting for this one to pick up that behavior. However, we don't have mirrors in their room all the time. Mirrors are only on occasion. We don't really recommend leaving mirrors in with your birds ever because they can become obsessed with their own reflection and then not learn how to socialize or do other things that they should be doing. They become way too obsessed with their own reflection. Evie is like that if I give them a mirror all the time. However, we do show Evie a mirror sometimes for playtime or to um, encourage him to talk. We're trying to get him to talk on cue and command. <laughs> That's one thing that we want to do with our birds to show how they mimic and things. Um, so he mimics all sorts of things. But when he sees himself in the mirror is when he talks the most and whistles the most. So That's pretty cool. But we don't recommend keeping uh, mirrors in their enclosures or um, anything like that. And in fact, Evie will find any reflection in the room, including a window or um, some sort of uh, reflective surface and talk to himself. And it becomes an obsession, especially seasonally when the days are longer and there's more sunshine and everything. That's when they think it's like breeding time. So he's flirting with himself. Crazy. You were told, oh, you were told that both of your cockatiels were boys, but one day you had an egg in the cage. Can a boy have an egg? No. So you definitely had at least one female and whoever told you they were boys was lying or they didn't know what they were talking about. Uh, so sometimes when cockatiels are younger, it's very, very hard to tell the gender of your cockatiel. Um, but when they get older, it's very easy, at least for me to tell by behavior. But you can also do something called a DNA test. Um, if you send off a feather sample of your bird, um, you can basically just gather some feathers from them. It gives you instructions on the DNA test. Um, you can order it in from the mail. You send away some feathers and send it away and they can actually tell you what gender your bird is. And that's the only 100% guarantee or if you have an egg. <laughs> so the egg is gonna be another dead giveaway. However, for me, since I've been working with birds for a long, long time, um, behavior-wise, it's also easy for me to tell cockatiel males from females most of the time. But you can always do a DNA test. And a vet can also help you with a DNA test as well, with a little bit of blood sample as well. It can be blood or feathers or even eggshell, too. If you have a newborn baby cockatiel, would you like to come here? Good job with a little flight. That was very cute. Let's turn you around, though. Step up, baby. I think Sonny is doing a great job being a cute little ambassador bird for us. He's done a couple of in-person programs and done pretty well. The last one was kind of funny though. Instead of staying still like this, he decided he wanted to fly a whole bunch of loops around the room and he wore himself out and then he took a little nap for the rest of the program. <laughs> so you never know what your birds are gonna do. It's really important when you have flying birds not to have ceiling fans on or open doors or windows, of course. But it's also really important for them to learn those mistakes and learn how to fly. So we were pretty confident that he was already ready to be going to programs, even if he did decide to fly around the room. He's a very good flyer already, being as young as he is. <laughs> uh, but that was kind of interesting, his choice that day that he decided to fly around. But now he's getting to know where all the cool snacks are. As you can see, he's really into these snacks now. So hopefully next time he'll be uh, motivated enough to just hang out on the hand. <laughs> but that's okay. Animals make mistakes and they learn just like kids do and like all humans do, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just seeing if you guys have any new questions. Hello, Richard. Nice to see you. <laughs> that's funny. Our, our yellow-headed parrot, Fred, 
also eventually laid an egg when he was like 30 years old. Yeah, sometimes that does happen where birds are misgendered. With most of your parrot species, parrots can be Amazon, they can be all sorts of animals, right? Uh, macaws, African greys, all sorts of parrots um, at their end that can be human pets and things, human pets. can be pets for humans, you guys, it's been a long day. Um, but uh, sometimes they are so um, monomorphic, which means males and females look the same, um, that it's really hard to tell. And a lot of these parrot species, males and females can talk and they're just as vocal. With cockatiels, I find that females are very, very much quieter than males and not nearly as vocal, um, but you never know, I guess. But um, if you get an animal that lays an egg, you actually had a girl. So congratulations. Uh, Fred was a female, Fred Frederica, I guess, or uh, whatever female version, or you can just keep calling her Fred. She can be whatever she wants to be nowadays. Uh, Ash says, <laughs> Ash is talking to you, Richard. I'm so happy to hear that this happened to someone else. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you're not the only one that it's happened to for sure. Oh, you're very welcome, Mike. Mike says, as always, fascinating and informative and very entertaining to watch. Thank you, guys. And thank you. And see you next week as well. So, you guys, I think I'm going to go ahead and say good night for now. It's been one of those days, but I'm very happy to be here again. And the show, of course, what are you looking for? The show, of course, is free of charge. But if you guys do want to donate to our zoo, your donation options are down below. You can donate an amount of any uh, any amount to all of our options down there, as well as our Amazon wish list is available for you guys. We very, very, very much appreciate any donations and every little bit helps. You can also book your own animal encounter where you can meet our animals virtually like this or even in person and maybe... Um, little sunflower here will fly around your room if we if we're invited over to your home um but if you would like any of those things please contact the number down below or go to onceinawild.com for more information don't forget to follow us on all of our social media like instagram facebook youtube of course don't forget to subscribe we're looking for more subscribers on youtube um as well as tiktok and twitter and all the things all of your social media links for us are also down below for your convenience and uh, we would love to see you next week here every single Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on Facebook and YouTube. And I hope you have enjoyed the show, you guys. We will see you next week. All right. Bye, guys. We are not